You're listening to the Power Place Audio Podcast. For more resources or to watch the service online, visit us at www.thepowerplace.org. This is Living. It's our, our series that we're in right now. A good friend of mine, David Crabtree, he writes, I learned a lesson at Starbucks a long time ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. When you're filling life's cup for the daily routine, always leave room for the cream. It's the cream that takes off the bitter edge. It's the cream that softens the blow. It's the cream that adds richness to an ordinary blend. When your cup is too full and your schedule too busy, there's no room for richness. An overfilled life leaves no room for joy. When joy is squeezed out by pressure, you're heading for a hot spill that just might leave a scar. Leave room each day for the simplest pleasures, a quiet thanksgiving, a memory that makes you smile, a crimson sunrise, a morning cup of your favorite brew, a child's hug, a tender moment, a hopeful thought, a thoughtful word, a whispered prayer, unbridled laughter, genuine love, misty-eyed gratitude, and remembered priorities. Schedules, deadlines, and quotas devour time without remorse. Success often leaves us empty, and reward is soon replaced by demands for more. Stop pouring your venti life into a grande cup. You're just making a mess. You'll be better with less. So learn a good lesson as you follow your dream. Life is far better if you leave room for the cream. He says it well. And I hope you had some cream moments this past week and got to spend time with family and friends and celebrate and feast. I had enough food for several days. But it was, it was good. It was those cream moments. And so enjoy those. Don't miss them. Don't schedule your life to miss the cream. On the outskirts of the small town, there was a big old pecan tree just inside the cemetery fence. And one day, two boys filled up a bucket full of nuts and sat down by the tree out of sight, began, to divide it, began dividing the nuts one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me, said one boy. Several dropped and rolled down toward the fence. Another boy came right along the road on his bicycle, and as he passed, he thought he heard voices from inside the cemetery. He slowed down to investigate. Sure enough, he heard one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. He just knew what it was. He jumped back on his bike and rode off. Just around the bend, he met an old man with a cane hobbling along, Come here quick, said the boy. You won't believe what I heard. Satan and the Lord are down at the cemetery dividing up the souls. The man said, beat it, kid. Can't you see it's hard for me to walk? When the boy insisted, though, the man hobbled slowly to the cemetery. Standing by the fence, they heard, one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. The old man whispered, boy, I think you've been telling me the truth. Let's see if we can see the Lord. Shaking with fear, they peered through the fence, yet were still unable to see anything. And the old man and the boy gripped the wrought iron bars of the fence tighter and tighter as they tried to get a glimpse of the Lord. At last they heard, one for you, one for me, that's all. Now let's go get those nuts by the fence and we'll be done. 
They say the old man made it back to town a full five minutes ahead of the kid on the bike. <laughs> ah, life. This is living. Life today must be lived in light of eternity. You've got to look to the end to make sense of where you are right now and to look forward to what is to come. You got to have an eye on the end and realize that this is not all there is. Because we understand that this life is not all there is. It's way easier for us as God's children to, to part with worldly wealth and invest in eternal things. And last week, I'm sorry if you missed last week. I, I feel bad for you. But last week was just a powerful day with Alan Griffin. And, and we as a church uh, gave over $12,000 to bless those children coming out of foster care. Come on. We made an eternal investment in foster kids' lives. I got to say, this is living. Many of us gave $500, and you probably will never miss that $500. Okay? It may have been a sacrifice, and, and someone has said that uh, giving is not giving until it interrupts your lifestyle. Because when it interrupts your lifestyle, then you feel it. Yeah. Uh, last year, Christy and I made a pledge to our first fruits giving, which went to the pack this last year, our athletic center. And, and every week we would write a check because we wanted to feel it every week, feel it. So it would interrupt our, our living. Yeah. And I think that's important in life, especially as a child of God that we get our focus in the right place. So in light of eternity, how then shall we live? That's the question we've been asking as we've walked through the book of Joshua. You, you, get, you get to work doing what needs to be done if you're living in light of eternity. And you ask yourself, what, what's that right in front of me? Do that. Do what needs to be done right now to keep moving forward to what God has for you. Today we pick up in Joshua chapter 18, verse one. Then the whole congregation of the sons of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there and the land was subdued before them. But there remained among the sons of Israel seven tribes who had not divided their inheritance. Joshua said to the sons of Israel, how long will you put off entering to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? How long? Provide for yourselves three men from each tribe so that I may send them, that they may arise and walk through the land and write a description of it according to their inheritance. Then they shall return to me. Did you know that the Pennsylvania Treasury is currently seeking the owners of more than $3.5 billion in unclaimed property? 
unclaimed. Now, no government agency tracks the value of all unclaimed assets throughout the country, but independent estimates included, including for matured treasury savings bonds, run as high as $80 billion unclaimed. And the total's been growing faster than states can find owners or heirs. I'd say it's high time that we step out and claim what is rightfully ours. And I'm talking spiritually as well. Because many of us sit and don't claim what is ours spiritually. We also have to claim what is ours physically. Sometimes that begins in the spiritual realm because you finally understand what God has given you. When I was in Bible college, I, I uh, met a girl who caught my attention. Her laugh in the cafeteria perked my ears up every time. You could hear Christy laugh over the entire school. <laughs> Pretty incredible. And when we met and uh, became best friends, we eventually started dating and, and we had uh, quite a time. And I'll never forget the night that we were at Pizza Inn in Springfield, Missouri. Some of you don't know Pizza Inn. I'm so sorry. You missed it. It's closed now probably. But it was very good pizza. She would sit there and act like she was eating and I would eat the whole pizza. <laughs> right? But this night was very special. That she, she brought out this box and opened it up and handed me something. And I said, what's this? She said, it's a list. I said, what kind of list? She said, well, when I was 16 years old, my dad sat me down and said, I've got a present for you. She, said, she got excited and, and uh, he said, what I want you to do is take this blank piece of paper. Well, you come tell the story, babe. It, it's your story, really. I am... <laughs> You know me so well. Uh, in our household, we were never allowed to date till we were 16. That was just that was just what it was. Allie wasn't allowed to date till she was 20. But in my house, it was 16. Not really, but it was very important. And I, I was so anticipating on my 16th birthday because I knew that the guys would be lined up at the front door. Of course, there wasn't a soul there. But my dad came in. He said, "Christy, said I want to give you your birthday present," and I said, okay, you know, what is it? And he said, here's a piece of paper and a pencil. And I said, okay. He said, I want to give you the best gift that I could possibly give you besides Jesus. And that is the perfect person that you will spend the rest of your life with. The one that you already know in your heart that you want. I said, okay. He said, I want you to write down on the front piece, on the front of the piece of paper, I want you to write 10 things that you want in your future husband. And then he said, I want you to turn it over and I want you to write 10 ways that you want him to look. 
Well, I took that piece of paper, and I'm, you know, at 16, I knew what I wanted, you know, and I'm, I wrote them all down, you know, and everything, and I turned it over, and my first thing is I wanted them tall. My daddy was uh, 6'5", so tall was important to me, and so I'm like, I want them 6'5", and, you know, just all these different things I wanted them to look like. So we went on with life, and the guys started coming, and they started knocking on the door. And it was very important to me because as I gave the list back to my father, he said, Christy, he's read it over, you know, and he smiled. And, and uh, he then he folded it in half and he gave it back to me. And he said, Christy, so I want you to keep this list with you at all times. He said, because this is what you want. Anything less will be second best. And he, said, he looked at me and he said, and you don't want second best. And so get the list out, every guy, and see if they do the list. If they go all the way down. So every guy, you know, they come along and I go back to my room and I get out the list. And yeah, you know, they just, mm-mm, you know, nope, nope, nope. And I say, you know, sorry, move on, move on. Well, then Greg came along. And it was like, we were best friends. And then we went into the dating thing and I brought out my list. He wasn't 6'5", but he was close. Uh, And you know, it's like everything on my list checked off. And I remember the night as we went out to dinner, I wrapped it and I, I said, I wanna give you a gift. And I said, on my 16th birthday, my father wanted me to have the best gift that he could give me because he knew it would be until eternity. And I said, you win. (laughs) The check marks go all the way down to the bottom. You win. You get me forever. Because, see, second best doesn't work. Second best, you're always striving to see what else is out there. So I tell you, if you're looking for that person, you know, in the day and age that we live in today, it's, you, just, you just get rid of them. And it's like, no, God says, you know what? Strive for the best. Strive for what is, is in your heart, for what you want, what you think is the best, and then wait for it. Because God will bring it at some time in his own time. I know sometimes you wish it was a little sooner, but God will, it's, it's there. And I am so grateful today that he received the list and he did say, I do receive you forever. It'll be 40 years this next year. 40 years with this man. No, it's not for him because 40 years with me. <laughs> Children. (laughs) Time to step out and claim what's yours. Someone said, don't wait for your ship to come in, swim out to it. When I met Christy, I, I... met her whole family. I found out that her grandmother, uh, Grandma Cologne and Viola, she was, she was one of those kind of people as well who she knew what God had 
and she was going to do everything she could to be a part of it. When she was pregnant with her first son, which is Christy's dad, uh, Dave, she walked a mile every day so he would be strong. She read the Bible through in nine months so that he would love the word of God. She painted so he would be creative. She prayed for him to have a strong voice. If you, know, if you know, knew my father-in-law, you know all of these things happen. Uh, she prayed for, for him to have a love for young people. She prayed for him to be a missionary. And, and she never told him any of this until he fulfilled the final thing in his 40s. She just hid all those things in her heart and did her part to see her firstborn son become the man that God wanted him to be. Listen, you can claim things that seem impossible. You can step out and claim what's yours. And you got to do the hard work yourself. You got to go through the land and write a description. That's what Joshua told them to do. I want you to go write a description of what is yours. Some of you need to write some things down and put them on your refrigerator so you see them every time you open the door. Or you need to put them on your bathroom window. Mirror. You may have a window in your bathroom, but on your bathroom mirror so that you daily see what is your inheritance. And you begin to pray into those things. You begin to believe in those things. Um, it's also interesting to notice here that seven out of the 12 tribes, more than half, were living off the other's victories. Over half of the tribes of Israel were freeloading. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a freeloader. my dad pastored in Wichita, Kansas, we built uh, a church. They bought 36 acres of land, built a church that seated 1,200 people. And I remember the people who withstood him and said, this is not God. This, this, this is awful. We're, we're, we shouldn't be doing this. And then after it was all done, they didn't give a dime. They didn't get involved. When it was all done, they brought all their friends to see what we had done. Look what we did. Look what we did. And some of you are like that, and you shouldn't be. You need to get involved in what God is doing so you can honestly and truthfully say, look what we did with the help of the Lord. I told you in the beginning, don't be the person that comes and plays in the gym unless you've invested in it. I need my water again, babe. Can you bring that for me? <coughs> I got a tickle in my throat. It's not going away. Thank you. Laziness is a sad state of affairs. So Joshua says to them, how long will you put off doing what is right? 
Proverbs 19.15 says, Laziness casts one into a deep sleep, and the lazy person will suffer hunger. Proverbs 6, verse 6, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter because they know winter's coming. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? How long, when will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. I'm here to tell you, cast laziness aside and do what you need to do to claim your inheritance. It's time to get busy about the master's work. Wallace Johnson was the founder of Holiday Inn, and he was a dynamic Christian. When he was 40 years old, his boss fired him from his sawmill job, and it came as a devastating shock because it was during the Great Depression. He and his wife needed the income from his, his job, small though it was. Wallace felt that the world had caved in on him. His wife worried. She asked him, what are you going to do? But Wallace had been thinking, and he answered by saying, I'm going to mortgage our home and go into the building business. His first venture was the construction of two small buildings. Within five years, Wallace Johnson was a multimillionaire. In an interview, he said, today, if I could locate the man who fired me, I would sincerely thank him for what he did. At that time, when it happened, I didn't understand why I was fired. Later, though, I saw that it was God's unerring and wondrous plan to get me into the ways of his choosing. You see, perspective is everything, and, and sometimes we don't understand, and we're just sitting around waiting, and, and God wants to move us into the land of our inheritance. If you're not happy with where you are, you, you're as happy as you choose to be, because your circumstances cannot dictate your happiness. Joshua 19, verse 49, we read on, when, when they finished apportioning the land for inheritance by its borders, the sons of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua, the son of Nun. In accordance with the command of the Lord, they gave him the city for which he asked, Timnath Sarah, and the hill country of Ephraim, so he built the city and settled in it. They knew how to treat their leader. They treated him with respect, with honor, with remuneration. And someone has said, how you respond to your leaders is how you respond to the Lord. Then in Joshua chapter 20 and 21, they began to obey what God had laid out by Moses. Joshua 20, the, the Lord, then the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, speak to the sons of Israel saying, designate the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses. So that one who commits manslaughter by killing a person unintentionally without premeditation may flee there. They shall become your refuge from the avenger of blood. Then he shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and state his case in the presence of the elders of that city. And they shall receive him into the city to them and give him a place so that he may remain among them. Now, if the avenger of blood pursues him, then they are not to hand the one who committed manslaughter over to him, since he struck his neighbor without premeditation and did not hate him previously. And he shall remain in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment, until the death of the one who is high priest in those days. Then he shall return to his own city and to his own house, to the city from which he fled. 
So they set apart Kadesh in Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali and Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and Kiritha Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. And beyond the Jordan east of Jericho, they designated Bezer in the, in the wilderness on the plain from the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth and Gilead from the tribe of Gad, Golan of Bashan from the tribe of Manasseh. And these were the designated cities for all the sons of Israel and for the stranger who resides among them so that whoever kills a person unintentionally may flee there and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stands before the congregation. So they're designating the cities of refuge, a place where forgiveness for sins that were committed in ignorance would be a refuge for them. And I'm, I'm here to tell you this church should be a safe place. It should be a place of refuge. For whoever has done whatever, may they find a place of refuge here because God has set us here for such a time as this. Then Joshua 21, then the heads of fathers' households of the Levites approached Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of fathers' households of the tribes of the sons of Israel. And they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, the Lord commanded through Moses to give us cities to live in with their pasture lands for our cattle. So the sons of Israel gave the Levites from their inheritance these cities with their pasture lands in accordance with the command of the Lord. Not only did they designate refuge cities, but they also designated cities for the Levites to live in. They took care of the ministers. Can I just tell you, God cares about how ministers are treated, how they're cared for. In fact, God says to give honor where honor is due. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, the apostle Paul writes to his son of the faith, Timothy, and he says, the elders who lead well are to be considered worthy, worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. He also told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 9, 7, who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not consume some of the milk of the flock. I'm not just asserting these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does the law not say these things as well? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing. And then he says, God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking entirely for our sake? Yes, it was written for our sake. Because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing in the crops. And then verse 11 if we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? And, and I don't say this for my benefit. I just say this, if there's ever another pastor in this house, you need to treat him well. I'm just saying God cares about how his leaders are treated. It's a big deal to him. There is this law of sowing and reaping. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. What's gonna be given to you? It, whatever you gave out. 
give and that which you've given shall be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. May we as, as a church continue to be the most generous people on the face of the planet. Amen. And I, I just want to say thank you for, for honoring us. Uh, I canceled pastor appreciation a few years back because it was so bad. And then some people decided it's time to honor. And it's our responsibility to honor. And I just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and our staff is overwhelmed at, at your, your uh, honoring and, and generosity. We're just, we're blown away. Because how you respond to your leaders is how you respond to the Lord. So what that tells me is we're starting to respond to the Lord in a whole better way. We're growing up. We're becoming the kind of people that God's designed us to be. Amen. Uh, there was a, a Stella. Stella was a lovely older lady who occasionally brought the pastor a batch of her homemade fudge. The pastor said one evening at church, she stopped me in the hallway to pull out of her purse a letter from the pastor two decades earlier in which she was thanking her, he was thanking her for the fudge. He said, I pretended to be shocked. Stella, I thought I was the only one you made fudge for. She said something that stays with me to this day, many years afterward. Oh, I've always loved all my pastors. He said, I reflected on her statement that night on my drive home and had an epiphany. I was contrasting her with William, the deacon who was leading the effort to have me terminated. And just the day before, a man who had known William all his adult life informed me that he had always opposed every pastor he ever had. And here was Stella who had loved every pastor she'd ever had. He said, that's when it came to me. Stella loves her pastors, not because of what's in them, but because of what's in her. And William opposes all his pastors, not because of what is lacking in them, but what is lacking in him. And that's when the Lord gave me peace about William's efforts. It's not about me. It's about something inside him in rebellion against the Lord. And so they moved into a place where they were honoring like they should have been all along. Joshua 21, verse 43. So the Lord gave Israel all the land. Somebody say all the land. All the land. Which he has sworn to give them to their fathers and they took possession of it and lived in it. And the Lord gave them rest on every side in accordance with everything that he had sworn to their fathers. And no one of all their enemies stood before them. The Lord handed all their enemies over to them. Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything came to pass. Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything came to pass. You can count on God to fulfill his promises. 
But you've got to align yourself and do what he's asked you to do, though. No laziness. The psalmist David wasn't lazy. He did his due diligence. And he counted on God fulfilling his promises to him. In fact, in Psalm 119, verse 169, I read it this week in my one-year Bible. O Lord, listen to my cry. Give me the discerning mind you promised. God, I'm holding you to your promise. Give me a discerning mind. You promised it was going to happen. The NASB says, let my cry come before you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Where do we find his promises? In his word. In the word of the living God. In the Bible. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, as surely as God is faithful, somebody say, God is faithful. And as surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He's the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. And with a resounding yes, and through Christ... Our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. God, God said, I'm doing this. And Christ Jesus comes and says, yes, I'm fulfilling it. And then we add the amen. Yes, I agree. So be it. Amen. I'm in. And, and God gets glory through this. It is God who enables us, verse 21, along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he's promised us. As the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, it's that down payment, that initial payment saying, this is the guarantee, the rest is coming. The rest is coming. Many years ago, I used to go to Beretta's all the time for Stromboli. I don't eat Stromboli as much as I used to, and it's probably a good thing. But it was so good. And they would have this, this thing on the table that when you ordered they brought it out, set it on. I don't think they do that anymore. They set it on your table. I think it was a flag type thing and raised the flag. And that was the guarantee that that Stromboli shown up. I ordered it. I know it's coming. And that's the guarantee. Come on, baby. You can bank on what God says. He's placed his Holy Spirit as a deposit. He said, the rest is coming. Everything I promise will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. How are they fulfilled? By agreement. He says, the yes, it's done. And we say, amen, I agree. And that agreement brings forth promises. For by agreement, promises are established. And many of us don't agree with God, and so we miss out on all his promises. I believe hell will be filled with people who disagreed with God. 
He says, I've given Jesus Christ as the ultimate sacrifice, full payment for your sin. We can agree with that and find ourselves in the pure promises of God, find ourselves in the family of God, or we can disagree with God and say, eh, no thanks, and we miss out on the promises that God has for us. I'll just say this, you want to agree with God. You want to read his word and agree with what he has to say. Because his promises are yes, and we just say, amen, I'm in, I agree, let's go. We watch him fulfill all of his promises. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I'm there in their midst by agreement. By agreement, promises are fulfilled. Promises are established. By agreement, promises are established. And not one of the good promises of the Lord failed. Everything came to pass. I'm here to encourage you today. God has good things for you. Don't be lazy. Step out. Write a description. Claim what's yours. Not one of the good promises of the Lord failed. Everything came to pass. But first things first. God blessed them after they did what was right. After they stepped out and claimed their inheritance. After they set up the cities of refuge. After they treated their leaders and the ministers the way God wanted them to. After those things were established, not one of the good promises of the Lord failed. Everything came to pass. God blessed them after they did what was right. Don't be lazy. Get up and claim what is rightfully yours as a child of God. In fact, you may need to write a description so you can remind yourself daily. They call me the sticky note pastor (laughs) because I have sticky notes everywhere. They're reminders. I've done it for years. When sticky notes first were invented, I'm like, I'm in. That's me. Let's go. And I put them everywhere. You come to my office, you see the sticky notes are everywhere. In fact, Landon just said to me the other day, he said, uh, your stickiness are about to take over your computer screen. <laughs> Write a description. Do what he's asked you to do. First things first. And I'll, I'll just add this. I don't know we're, we're, we're done here, but we're not done because God's got some business to do with us. But I think that's, that's why the tithe, the first, first tenth, 
the first fruits. That's, that's why that's such a big deal to God because when you honor him with the first, first things first, when you honor the, with the first, that he's able to bless the rest. But, but you have to step in and do what needs to be done. You have to honor him with the first. And, and many of us have missed out on that blessing because we've decided we're, we're smarter than God. We're, we're disagreeing with God, basically. Don't disagree with God. God has your best interests in mind. Do what he's asked you to do. First things first. As you put first things first, then the blessing flows to the rest. Arthur DeMoss says, the wisdom of first. Give God the first hour of every day, the first day of every week, the first dime of every dollar, the first choice of every decision. Put him first in your habits, first in your home, First in your life, this is living. This is living. When that all gets lined up, this is living. Stand with me, please. When he's first, everything else just falls into place. Thanks for listening to the Power Place Audio Podcast. For more resources or to watch a service online, visit us at www.thepowerplace.org.